Can we give Him praise this morning? All across this building right now, can we lift our hands and lift our voice? We worship You, great God. We worship You, Holy One of Israel. We bless You. Great is our God. Great is our God. Great is our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody give him some praise this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I know the devil would try to tell you something different. I know the devil would try to tell you something contrary. But no matter what he tells you, this is the day that the Lord has made. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. It is so wonderful to be with you here in Spokane, Washington, at the Summit Conference. And what a time we have had in the Holy Ghost thus far. Amen. God's just getting warmed up. God's just getting warmed up. Amen. There are greater things still to come. What a word last night. Thank you, Brother Shoemake, Brother Spell. I was looking around for something to smash. And I couldn't find anything, so I'm afraid you're just going to have to put up with me. But what a, what a wonderful move of the Holy Ghost last night. And I know there's good things in store for today. It's a very odd feeling knowing that you are the hors d'oeuvre before Brother Booker, the main course, <laughs> amen, but um, I'm just glad to be here with God's people and loving God and fellowshipping. It's good and it's pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity, amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Mayo. Thank you to the Spokane Church and all of you that have come. Some of you have come from a long distance, and, and I know that God has good things in store for us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. And I believe that God has something for each person here tonight, if they will, this morning rather, if they will open their hearts and they will be receptive to the things of God. I believe God speaks all day long. I believe he speaks all day long, and it does us good to put up a Holy Ghost antenna and catch the signal of what God wants to say to his people. Ruth, chapter 2, verse 1, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She said unto her, Go, my daughter. She went, came, gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap or her tendency was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. 
Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? He looked and he saw her. He took notice of her. How many want Jesus to take notice of you this morning? Whose damsel is this? The servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. She said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? When thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. You're watching an exchange between Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, and Ruth, the Moabitess, the stranger that is coming in to the things of God. Verse 10, then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground, said unto him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. How thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. It goes on. They continue to communicate. I want to turn your attention to a little further down in the chapter. Verse 14, Boaz said unto her at mealtime, come thou hither. Eat of the bread, dip thy morsel in the vinegar. She sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. She did eat, was sufficed and left. When she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. I know this morning that God has wonderful things in store for people who are hungry, for people who are thirsty, and for people who are in the field. And God is going to reveal things to us. He's going to speak. He already has, and he's going to continue to do so. And what is going to happen in this conference, and I pray what happens in your life, is what happened to this Moabite young lady. I want to preach to you for a couple of moments here this morning. I want to preach to you on a subject entitled Handfuls of Purpose. Handfuls of Purpose. Look at the person next to you and tell them, I've got to find out what God has in store for me. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I am very eager this morning. I am eager. I am in anticipation about what God is going to say in this conference. 
not only in this conference, but whenever there is anointed Holy Ghost preaching, I am eager to hear. I believe in preaching. Believe in preaching. Not sermonizing, not, not lecturing, not observation, empirical reasoning, founded speaking, but preaching that comes from revelation, that is supernatural in origin. I believe God has a current word. Amen. I didn't just come to hear some new thing. I came to hear a timely thing. I don't know about you, but I'm going through some stuff, and I want God to speak to my heart right now. That's what preaching does. Amen. It hops all around the room, and it deals with things, and it deals with issues. It, it rebukes. It confirms. It encourages. Amen. It reveals. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I believe in preaching. I believe in the spirit of prophecy. I believe in the oracle of God standing and giving forth an anointed word and speaking things that they don't even realize the full import of what they're saying. I'm, I'm even humbled by it. I don't think that preachers or anybody that takes up the word of God should ever handle it in an arrogant fashion because it's a humbling thing to have God speak to a people. As a matter of fact, I want to get as much of me out of the way as I can. I want to get as much of my reasoning, as much of my doubts, as much as my cultures, as much of my bias, praise God, as much as my background out of the way so Jesus can just talk. I want to hear a word from God. I believe in a word from God. It's a humbling thing to deal with the word of God. The Bible calls his word and his knowledge, it calls it the manifold wisdom of God. It's literally many-folded. I'm always suspicious of folks who think they know it all. I always look sideways at people who feel that they have arrived. I think that's why Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. I, I'm not claiming to know it all because as soon as I get to the top of what I think is the pinnacle of the mountain of God's will and God's purpose, I find out it's many-folded. And there's a whole nother domain. There's a whole, I get to, the, up to there and it just unfolds and there's a whole new plateau. There's a whole new area to explore. And then you get to the top of that and it unfolds again and praise God, we serve a great God who does big things, who's ways are so high. Oh, glory, it's a humbling thing to handle the Word of God. It's a humbling thing to hear an anointed preacher. Come on, somebody. I hope you came to hear the manifold Word of God that convicts, that saves, that prepares, that tears down and then builds back up. Wisdom is not the only thing that's manifold. Temptation is manifold. The Bible talks about manifold temptation. We can be through heaviness, through manifold 
temptation. I'm not interested in all of the perversions that the world would offer up. Because there's a lot of them. You can go pretty deep into perversity if you follow that path and that route. And the devil's very happy to take you further than you ever intended on going. Amen. There are manifold temptations. Some people think that it's exploration. They think it's art. They they explore topics. Hollywood explores topics and and they think it's some great thing, some kind of an art, some kind of a exploration of the human condition. That's not what it is. It's perversion. It's descending into the depths and the perversity of sin, things that should not be talked about, things that should not be explored. I'm not interested in the manifold aspect of sin. I'm interested in the manifold aspect of God. I'm looking at the light. I'm looking at life. I'm looking at hope. God has big things in store for his people. And, and it's a humbling thing to know that he would take the time to speak to a man. Amen. So, so God reveals. He's in the business of revealing. That's why we're here. That's why I open my Bible. God's wisdom is so vast and it's so great that at 35 years of age, I'm trying to get my hands around I'm trying to find out what he's doing. Because whatever he's doing, I want to be in the middle of it. I want to find out where he's at. I want to find out where he's moving. And I want to get right in the middle of it. Praise God. God is doing things that we cannot imagine. The Bible says we cannot imagine it. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man. Do not get discouraged where you are. Do not get discouraged if you can't see the end of what you're dealing with. Pastor, do not get discouraged. God is just unfolding some new things. Amen. You're getting to the end of some things, and God is going to unfold some new things. You cannot, I cannot get discouraged because God in his wisdom has things that we cannot even begin to understand. He has people that are going to get the Holy Ghost that you did not anticipate. He has people that are going to be baptized in Jesus' name that you did not ever believe could be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. He has got things in store for your church, in store for your children, in store for your family, in store for the apostolic church in general. God is taking us places in the whole, I need somebody to believe that. On a, on, a, on a Friday morning, I need somebody to stand up and say, I'm going to dig down deep and get the courage to believe that God. I haven't convinced everybody yet. I need somebody to say, God is able. God is willing. And he will do it. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees the first. He sees the last. He's the author and Hallelujah, he's the finisher. Amen. So, you can be seated. I want to talk about that for a moment because, because everything we do needs to be done with a certain kind of a grasping for the future. A reaching towards those things which are before us. God is so great in wisdom that the way he disperses his will and his purpose is beautiful. It, it comes 
incrementally. He'll give you a slice of what he's doing. He'll give you a piece of the puzzle. He'll give you a small portion, enough for you to gather. If you will, if you will let me use the word, he'll give you a handful of his purpose. God does it. His way is such that it is filled with wisdom. It's specifically designed so that the humble will have access. When the architect of heaven constructed the pathway to heaven, he constructed it specifically to keep out the hypocrite. He built it in such a fashion that the half-hearted and the lukewarm, the weakened warrior, the double-minded, the carnal, would fumble and stumble around heaven's gate and never find entrance, but only the humble would be able to find it. How scarcely could a rich man enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I have constructed heaven's gate, a straight gate, praise God, in such a way that only the hungry are going to get admittance. Only the thirsty, only the meek, only the lowly. It's designed to keep out the proud and the arrogant. It's designed to keep out those that are satisfied with false doctrine and the seduction of humanistic thinking. Somebody listen to what I'm telling you today. God gives his will here a little and there a little. And he frustrates the devices of the proud. God's going to make sure that the lowly get in. God's going to make sure that the praisers and the worshipers and the people that will seek his will and his purpose at any cost Is there anybody ready to go into the field and pick up some handfuls? Is there anybody that's hungry? Is there anybody that's thirsty? Is there anybody that recognizes a good thing? Amen. God said that my word... will be revealed to those that are drawn from the breast, that are weaned from the milk. It will be line upon line. It will be precept upon precept. Those who would take shortcuts will not enter. I'll drop a little here. I'll drop a little there. I'll go into the field and I'll leave you some handfuls of my purpose. I'll drop some over in this corner. I'll drop some over in that corner. Amen. And if you don't knock, it will never open. And if you do not seek, then you will not find. If we do not ask, it will not be given. I, there is a certain determination. Amen. There is a certain diligence that is required. 
Amen. This race isn't given to the swift or strong. It's not built like that. It's, it's given to those that endure to the end. And when the widow woman needed something from the judge, it was not because of the validity of her cause. It was because of her importunity. It was because her determination. It was because her faithfulness and her doggedness. Amen. I, you, got, you just got to make up in your mind, I'm going to get the blessing. I'm going to get the blessing. Time is not an option. Time is not, doesn't even enter into the consideration of my heart because I've just made up my mind if it takes my entire life, I'm going to get the blessing of the Lord. As human beings, we're built, we're built, we want to know when we're going to get it. We want to know when we're going to get it. When am I going to be a preacher? When am I going to be used on the platform? When am I going to be, when am I going to have what I want? When? When, when, the Bible gives a time frame. The time frame is very specific. God said that you would receive his blessing when you would search for him with all of your heart. That's the time frame. When the woman lost the coin and she began to sweep her house, she didn't do it for 10 minutes. She didn't do it for an hour. She didn't do it for a day. The Bible says that she swept it diligently until she found it. That's how important the things of God are. That's, that's when you're going to get it. You're going to get it when you find it. There is a diligence. There is a perseverance. I, and you, there has to be a made-up mind that says, I've got to have his blessing at all costs. And I'll stay here one day. I'll stay here a week. I'll stay here a year. I'll stay here a decade. However long it takes, I am going to get the blessing and the favor of God. Sweep your house. Turn things upside down. Seek after God's will and God's purpose. Until she found it. Until He's not a rewarder of those who casually seek him. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You cannot turn back. You cannot stop. You cannot be weary in well-doing. You have got to endure. And you'll find it when you search with all of your heart. Amen. God has an ingenious way of making us search. Amazing way. I believe the physical mirrors the spiritual in that respect. God wanted you to stay alive, so in making sure you stayed alive, he created a mechanism called hunger. How am I going to make sure that they get enough fuel if they don't know that they need fuel, they won't survive. So to ensure survival, I'll create what I call hunger. Hunger is an amazing driving force. It will get you up off of your lazy boy. It will get you up off of your carcass. It will cause you to forage. It will cause you to search. You will, t you, you will search when you get hungry enough. Amen. How can I make sure they get enough nourishment, enough liquid? Well, I'll create something I'll, I like to call thirst. You cannot rest casually when you are thirsty. You cannot be satisfied when you are thirsty. Thirst says get up and find it and find it now. Find it now. Hallelujah. 
You understand it in the physical, but I want to know if we have it in the spiritual. Something got Ruth up and said, i got to go out in the field. I've got to go out in the field. I, I cannot stay at home. I cannot sit quiet. I'm hungry for something. I need something to satisfy me. I need something... Come on, how many can remember the day you got up out of your house and you went to the house of God and you found bread and you found living water? How many women at the well do we have here that found some living water that when you got it, you never thirsted again? It'll drive you out of a dead church. It'll drive you out of false doctrine. It'll drive you out of worldliness. It'll drive you out of this present evil age. And it'll... It's what caused Abraham to dig wells. It's what caused men to seek the simple fundamental hunger and thirst. That if I don't do that, I'm going to die. So, you can be seated. God created these mechanisms. You will allow those things to take their natural course. You will find His will. You will find His purpose. We have a problem in our humanity because we all have a purpose. We have a human purpose. It's hard to see through that humanity sometimes. In our there, there was all kinds of purposes in Scripture. They had purposes in the days of Noah. There were some folks who, who were giving out wedding invitations, and they were preparing wedding feasts. The Bible says they were marrying. They were giving in marriage. That's a purpose. There's some folks that's all they live for. There's some folks that make a good business on it. There's, there's all aspects to the wedding business. It's a purpose. It's a noble purpose. It's a good thing. But at the end of the day, it is a finite and a limited purpose. The pursuit of my purpose to the exclusion of his purpose will make sure I miss the boat. Amen. They were marrying. They were giving in marriage. They were eating and they were drinking. Eating and drinking is, is serious business. You've got to provide for your family. You've got to make sure there's food on the table. That was drilled into my head growing up. But there is a food that is higher than the food of this world. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Amen. He looked at the devil that day in the wilderness and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. And I'm out here in the desert specifically not eating this world's bread because I'm seeking a purpose that is higher than my purpose. I'm trying to get rid of what I want and I'm trying to get what he wants. When I choose my disciples, I don't want to choose them according to my will. I want to choose them according to his will. There are purposes of this world, and then there, are, there is God's purpose. It's so hard because they get entangled, and the purpose of this world can look like it has a certain nobility to it. The love of this world has a form of purpose, a will, a plan, a desire. There are people that have purposed in their mind what they're going to do today. Some of you have purposed to go to college, to a university. Some of you have purposed to get married. That's all well and good, but make sure that that purpose is submitted to his purpose. 
if you go to a university and you can't go to church, then you don't go to the university. I hope you get married. I hope you find a husband. I hope you find a wife. But if they're not baptized in Jesus' name and they're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if they don't believe in the oneness of the Godhead, if they are not separate from this world, then don't you marry them. Don't you yoke with them. Don't you hook up with them. You submit your purpose to His purpose. God's dropping handfuls. God's dropping incremental. I just want to know if there's a Ruth in the building that's reaching and grasping and finding it out and putting it together and getting a little bit here and a little bit there. Come on, Moabite. Find out what it's like to come to Israel. Come on, Moabite. Find out what it's like to meet Jehovah Jireh. Come on, Moabite. We're going to elevate this thing to an eternal perspective. But I love her. But they're my friend. But they're my family. If you want the attention of Boaz, Boaz didn't look at those that were bound by culture. He didn't look at those who were still tied to their mother's apron strings. He didn't look at somebody who was still bound by the familial connections of this world. God looks, he looked down at that woman and said, it has been fully showed unto me. I looked down and I saw you and you came to the conclusion that as much as you love Moab, you love Israel more. As much as you love your Moabite daddy, you love God more. You looked at Naomi and you said, whither thou goest? I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. I will sever every connection in the pursuit of the will and purpose of God. There is a better way. There is a more perfect way. There is a straight gate. Life in Israel is better than life in Moab. Life in the church is better than life in the world. Come on, somebody, put it together. Put it together. God will drop a little bit here and a little bit there. If you're hungry, you'll find it. If you're thirsty, you'll pick it up. Amen. Those that are bound by the finite will never get the attention of Boaz. They will never get the attention of Jesus Christ. It's so incremental that it frustrates the fast trackers. It frustrates those who want the good of this world. It can look like a waste of time to people who aren't looking for God's purpose. They're looking for their own purpose. 
You know, I would rather have a church of five people that preach Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the doctrine of the apostles than a church of a thousand that did not preach the apostolic message. Are you sure you want God's will? Are you sure you want God's purpose? Can I talk to you from my heart this morning? I can remember beginning out in the things of God. I, I could not see what God had in store. And I don't claim that I can see it all now. But I can see more now than I saw then. But it started a handful by handful. All I had to start was my hunger. And all you'll have to start is your hunger. God designs it that way on purpose. He puts it here a little and he puts it there a little. He does it with the word of God. He'll do it with the scriptures. If you are looking for an easy way and an encapsulated, packaged, processed salvation, if you are looking for a Holy Ghost happy meal that you can get through at a drive-thru for $3.25, then you do not belong in God's church. If you are looking for the easy way, well, why doesn't the Bible just say it? Why doesn't it say that if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't go to heaven? It does say it. It doesn't say it the way you want it to say it. And if you don't know that, that just means you're not searching. That just means you're not thirsty. That just means you're not hungry. It does say it, honey. It says it all over the place. It's just here a little and there a little. It's a little bit here and a little bit there. Some in that corner and some in this corner. How can I say it? How can I say it? If all you ever get to is Matthew 28, 19, and you stop there, you are not hungry. All you're doing is protecting your upbringing. If you search long enough to validate your grandma and grandpa, and your mom and dad and bishop no good at the whatever church that you were raised in. All you are doing is cultural protectionism. All you're doing is trying to validate how you were raised. You're not hungry for the things of God. If you are satisfied that easily and you will look no further, then you have failed the test that God placed there. I'm not going to give it to everybody. I'm going to give it to the hungry. So you're going to have to go from Matthew 28, 19 to Luke 24, 47. You're going to have to go to Mark 16, 14 to 16. You're going to have to go to Acts 2, 38. Acts 8, 14 to 16. Acts 10, 44 to 48. Acts 19, 1 to 6. 
1 Corinthians 1, Romans chapter 6, Galatians 3 and 27. And you're going to find out that the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost is Jesus. It takes a hungry man to dig it out. It takes a thirsty woman to dig it out. If you won't go that deep, you don't deserve heaven. A handful, a handful, a handful, a handful of Sunday morning, a handful on Sunday night, a handful at Summit Conference. You can be seated. Oh, I love this doctrine. I not only love God's ways, I love the way He distributes His ways. God designed it. When God... <laughs> I was reading in the book of Isaiah where God said that He would sift the nations with the sieve of vanity. I read where Jesus looked at Peter and said, Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed that thy faith fail thee not. There are folks that get very frustrated that they don't learn more faster, that people don't come to church faster. But if you try to speed this thing up and you do not follow the here a little, there a little pattern, then you will fill your church up, not with the church, with the crowd. You will not have a garden, you will have a weed patch. You will not have order, you will not have harvest. You will have things that can bear no fruit. You will have tares. You will have, oh my God. Listen to me, young man. Don't you shortcut the process. It is here a little and there a little. We don't need to let down to get more. We just need to search a little harder. We need to stay in the field a little longer. We need to be hungry for revival. We need to be hungry for winning souls. We need to... Amen. Boaz looked at Ruth and he said, make sure you don't go to another field. Don't be tempted to go to another field. When you drink, drink from the young men that I send to you. I do not believe in listening to false prophets. And getting discouraged as I begin to compare my apostolic heritage with their compromise. There's a reason why 
because the product that the apostolic church puts out is different than the product that false doctrine puts out. They are different products. The apostolic heritage, the word of God is designed to happen here a little and there a little. It's designed to be that way. It's designed to weed out the half-hearted. If I try to shortcut that and I try to package this thing, I begin to do things that the prophets never did. God, help me to get this point across this morning. Because there are some young men that need to know that the apostolic message is the greatest message in this world. There are some young women that need to know that we have a more sure word of prophecy. That you do well, that you take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. You need to get a couple more handfuls so you can get the big picture. Don't you get a couple handfuls and get discouraged and look at another field. My church isn't growing fast enough. There's such a thing as an overarching ambition that can happen in a young man or a young lady that can override the will of God. There are some young people, some young men some men of God that need to know that we have got to build this thing right. It has to be fitly framed together. Hallelujah. It has to be strengthened by, by that which every joint supplieth. It has to grow up a holy habitation unto the Lord. This thing has to be built the right way. And if I shortcut that process, if I don't go handful by handful, if I try to make it faster... If I begin to look over into false doctrine, listen, here's, here's why false doctrine is different than the truth. False doctrine thrives on pleasing people. False doctrine, in false doctrine, the customer's always right. In false doctrine, it's have it your way. It's, it's, it's mass production, it's capitalism on a spiritual level. We'll package it to where it pleases you. If there is a demand, then we'll find the supply. And we will meet the demand. You like Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then we'll give it to you because that's what you want. You don't want holiness? You don't want separation from the world? Then we'll make it so that you are comfortable and you like it that way. We will shortcut everything out of the Word of God. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. It has to do with pleasing the flesh. It takes a little effort to do it God's way. It takes somebody that says, I'm hungry for the things of God. I don't want the things of man. I don't want, the, I don't want man's ways. I don't want man's ideologies. I don't want doctrines made by man cunningly devised fables. I am hungry for the truth. If you can, oh my God, have mercy. Ahab looked around and he had hundreds of false prophets saying, go up. The Lord will deliver it into your hand. Prophet after prophet after prophet told him what he wanted to hear. And Ahab had an appetite for what he wanted to hear to fulfill his purpose. The Bible said that the day would come when they would not endure sound doctrine, but that they would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I need to know if there's a Jehoshaphat that can look around and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know if there's a man of God in this house. I want to know. 
I don't want somebody to tell me what I want to hear. I want them to tell me the word of God. Don't tickle my ears, preacher. Don't placate me. Don't mollycoddle me. Give me the truth. Give me the whole truth. Give me the whole counsel. I don't want it in any field but Boaz's field. I want this thing with everything I've got. When I first began to walk with the Lord, I didn't know what I had. Two decades later, I opened up that Bible, and after reading a few chapters, tears begin to run down my cheeks, because I've got a few more handfuls than I had then. I have a little corn in the crib. I, I, I have seen not only, I haven't seen it from a theoretical point of view in reading the scriptures in a sterile environment but I've actually lived it and I put it in my church and I have seen that the word of God is true. It's like a puzzle that as you put one piece, you don't see a whole lot and you put a second piece and you don't really see a whole lot and piece by piece by piece, you continue handful by handful, here a little, there a little, you just continue to put the pieces in, in, into the puzzle until finally an image begins to emerge and a purpose begins to be revealed and you realize that the one who constructed the puzzle wanted to show it to you the whole time and he gave it to you incrementally so that you could come to what he always knew was true and so now, as a 35-year-old young man, I'm feverishly grabbing as many pieces as I can and plugging them in. And the more I see, the more I rejoice. And, and, and the more I see, the harder I preach it. And the more I understand, my God, God has a purpose. I've got to tell the people, this thing is like a fire, and it's shut up in my bones. This thing consumes me. The zeal of thine house hath consumed me, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee have fallen upon me. I'm starting to see what you see, Jesus. I don't know what to do with it all the time. The hour is so late. The opportunity is so present. I want to grab a hold of young men and say, don't you go into that compromise. Don't you follow that slick talker. Don't you follow that better men than you. If I stay in the field a little longer, get a few more handfuls, put a few more pieces in the puzzle. You don't see it yet, but you will. feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you stop, if you stop in the middle of the handfuls, if you stop before you've completed the purpose, if you stop before you have gotten to the point God wants you to be at, 
If you still don't see what he's doing, the temptation is to stop and to go into your purpose. But God's purpose is so overarching. It's not just you. It's your kids. It's your grandchildren. People don't know why people that love holiness won't move off of holiness. The reason why we will not move off of the lines that we've drawn is because the devil's not just after me. He's after my grandbabies. And if he can get me to move the line, then my children will move the line. And my grandkids will move the line until they're right back in Moab. I see it. I see what you're doing, Jesus. I see it. Not only do I see it, I feel it. I feel it in the marrow of my bones. I feel it when I wake up in the morning. It drives me back out into the field to get a few more handfuls. If I let Orpah talk me out of staying with Naomi, if I let my family talk me out of staying with the church, then I'll never meet Boaz. If I don't stay in Boaz's field, then I'll never enter into covenant with him. Oh, well, that's great. That's great for me. Oh, but it doesn't stop there, honey. Because God's purpose said, Ruth, you're going to connect to Boaz because I see Obed coming. Baby, bouncing, Baby Obed came toddling across the floor and it took a godly Boaz and a godly Ruth that says, I will never go back to Moab. I'll never go back to Moab because I got to raise Obed. What's the big deal about Obed? Because Obed's going to give birth to Jesse. Click. God puts another piece of the puzzle in. Click, click. God puts another piece of the puzzle in. What's the big deal about Jesse? Because without Jesse, there's never going to be a David. God saw the valley of Elah. God saw a Philistine 12 feet tall. God saw Saul hiding behind his throne. And so generations before, he said, Ruth, you can't give up. Ruth, you can't stop. Ruth, stay in the field. Because if you die, my people die. I got a message for somebody that thinks this thing's happening too slow. You think it ain't going quick enough. You get you another handful this morning. You get a handful in Brother Booker preaches this afternoon. You get another handful tonight. And then another handful. God is getting ready. Come on, you got to see this. The pieces got to come together. And you got to see the picture. I'm closing. I'm closing right now. But I need to tell somebody, I believe 
that if you'll stay in Boaz's field, if you won't go to another field, if you'll get it here a little and there a little, hallelujah, I believe that you'll begin to see the picture emerge of what God's doing. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I like to believe it's true given the longevity of how long people lived and how, how often they could, they could have some kind of a, a long life. But the Bible says that they gave birth to Obed and then Obed to Jesse and to David. David is the great-grandson of Ruth. I just don't know but what it wasn't in the realm of possibility that on the day in that valley when everybody was camped on either side, I just wonder if 98 or 105 or whatever year old Ruth was up on the hillside saying, that's my baby. That's my baby. That's my baby. Saul's hiding in his throne room, but that's my baby. I'm so glad I didn't go with Orpah. I'm so glad I didn't go back to Moab. I'm so glad I didn't give up. I'm so glad I stay in Boaz's field. God's got a purpose. God's got a purpose. And handful by handful. Somebody lift your hands to heaven right now. Don't you leave your church. Don't you leave this apostolic doctrine. Don't you leave this great truth. Don't you compromise. Don't you back up one inch. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little. There a little. If you do it all, then with stammering lips and another tongue, God's going to speak. All across this building, I want somebody to raise your hands. I got another handful. I know, I know, I know, I know it's not fast enough, hypocrite. That's all right. You're not meant to come in. I know, compromiser, I know you think I'm doing it too slow, but I'm doing it handful by handful. I'm doing it piece by piece. I'm doing it here a little and there a little. I'm staying in the book. I will not leave the people of God. I will not leave God's will and God's purpose. I have seen too much of the puzzle. Young man, lift your hands and make up your mind. I'm adding some pieces. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Come on. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Come on, 1 Timothy 3, 16. Here a little. A handful. Just a handful. Just a little bit. Don't you worry about the hypocrites. They're not going to make it anyway. Don't worry about the lukewarm. They never were supposed to come in. It's a straight gate. 
Is there a hungry man? Is there a hungry woman? Is there somebody that feels driven to the field? I'm opening the altar right now. I want you to come. Come on, Ruth. Come on, Moabite. Come on, young man struggling with your doctrine. Come and meet Boaz. Come and meet the kinsman redeemer. Come and meet Jesus. Come on! Come on!